Imagine, if you will, 2003, I am standing in front of an old thatched family-sized cottage. Two luxury cars in the driveway. This is not my cottage. <laughs> Heavy blossom on the trees, an expansive garden with loads of space for my children and my friends' children to play. And it is that afternoon that I say to this individual, we are leaving here. We're leaving our community here to move to London to start a new church. And he said to me, he said, David, he said, that is very brave. He said, most of us in these middle family-rearing years have left the city in order to get more space and a quieter life. And I would have thought that it was a compliment, though I suspected that very brave was actually a euphemism for another two words, which went something like very stupid. And we were aware we were going against the flow that all our friends had left the city. What on earth were we doing going the other way? We were caught with a dream, having experienced the peace of God ourselves and the transforming power of that in our lives, utterly transforming for both Philip and I. We were caught with this sense that we were to come to this city to spread peace, not that there weren't other amazing people doing that, but that we might have a part to play. 2003, within two years of 2003, demographic export, experts said for the first time in world history, there are more people living in the city than the countryside. It's never happened before. Logic, therefore, says if you want to spread God's peace, go where the people are. And where are the people? The people are in the city. And as we came to the city, our sense was we were also, along with others, to call Christians not to spend their whole lives in the suburbs, but to dwell in the city. Experts said that by 2050, two-thirds of the exploding world population will be living amongst the concrete. And we know, of course, that some of these cities, a few of these cities, have an influence, a shaping of the way the world works and the way people live that is greater than any nation state or nation's government. So if we care about the way that our world lives and the way that people live, and we should care about it, then being in the city makes a big difference. And so we knew that it was our time. We had to make the move. We had to go against the flow. I didn't know this at the time. We moved in 2004. Every Thursday morning, ever since, I have been reminded of our call to live differently. It's a very simple process. But the way the rubbish works in our house is you store it out the back, but you put it out the front on a Thursday morning. And for the best part of 15 years, I have been taking loads of rubbish every week through the house and sticking it out, and I lay it out, and then I look down the road. We're at one end. I look down the road to see what others have laid out. And we have always laid out somewhere between two to four times more rubbish than anyone else. Now, that is not because my family are particularly wasteful. 
but rather it is that we've just squashed more people into the amount of space that we have than anyone else has done in the road. Because the great majority of other people in the road are there for other reasons. But we are, if I can say it humbly and suggest we should all be the same, we are on a mission. We're here for the sake of the city. And though this may seem a rather silly or exaggerated example of black sacks on the pavement, the reality is that since the start of Christchurch London, thousands of men and women have lived differently in this city because they too have been here to serve it. Thousands of, or many of those men and women have got up earlier or stayed up later because they've wanted to read the book and they've wanted to commune with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords each day. Many of us have sought to leave work early, before 7.30 in the evening, because this is the night that our community are gathering and I do not want to miss it. Others of us have shaped our schedules so that we can volunteer at food bank, we can mentor a refugee, we can serve those who are without homes. Others of us, at an incredibly fundamental, pivotal level of our life, have said, Jesus is Lord and this makes a difference. Many, many of us have reorientated our financial lives in order to be generous to God's work. Did I mention the latest offering? We asked back in March, prayerfully, could we seat together across our five services to give two hundred thousand pounds for the mission that God has us on. We announced about five weeks later, or whatever, later, 315,000 pounds had been given. That now stands, brothers and sisters, at 348,000 pounds. Isn't that amazing? And that is not because someone's got a great gift of oratory or we've read all the fundraising books and put in a strategy. It's because you and this church and what God has done amongst us is simply an extraordinary miracle when it comes to a city whose founding fables are of people coming here because the roads are paved with gold and they want to find wealth. But the founding fable here is that money isn't everything. It's better given away than hoarded. And it's been an extraordinary thing. And so this morning, I want to spend just a few minutes, and it really will be a whirlwind tour. I want to remind you of the dream. I want to remind you of the dream because we all need to be refueled sometimes. We all need to be reminded of the thing that energizes us and that enables us to live differently. We may dress the same. You may say, David, really? You may dress the same. We may dress the same, but in our hearts and our lives, there's something different. There's a music that we dance to. There's a drumbeat that we walk to, and there's a dream that we have, which is all caught in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, too, the more services that we get, and it looks like we've got number six coming out in the east later this year, and I know that some of you are starting to pray and think about number seven in South London sometime next year as well. The more services we get, the more important it is 
that we carry together the same dream in our heart. For it's one of the things, and it's much more effective than organization and rules and procedures and handbooks. We can do away with those. But if we share a dream and we're friends and we love one another, it is that which holds us together as we go forward into the next chapters of Christ Church London's life. So Tim asked me whether I would take a passage that actually we've lived with here at Christ Church London for many years, the one that Gabby uh, read to us earlier. Let me give you one and a half minutes worth of context. Sixth century BC. The people of God have been pulled from their city and their land, which basically said God is great and in charge. He's given us both of these. They're pulled from it. Is God still alive? And they're taken to the darkest spiritual place on planet Earth, Babylon. It is justifiably the moment to say, will the people continue to exist or is this the end of their history? Jeremiah gives them some advice. He would say it wasn't advice, it was direction from God, which they attended to for the next three generations. And as a result, it led to a huge spiritual renewal, back to Jerusalem, walls back up, temple rebuilt, an opportunity to bless the world as a result. And at this point in the church's history in the Western world, we need that sort of renewal again. And so I think this is important direction and advice for us. It starts in verse 7. It's really one phrase that I just want to remind us of. Seek, says Jeremiah, the peace and the prosperity of the city. Though you're down and almost out and that it would be easy to get by yourselves, turn your backs on the world and just be with one another. Seek the peace and the prosperity of the city. The Hebrew word seek the shalom of the city. Literally, the peace. And the idea is really the peace of God catching men and women's hearts and then flowing first through our lives, healing our bodies, dealing with our emotions, healing our minds, and then flowing from there out into the rest of the world as well. It's like a pebble being thrown into a still pond and the ripple effect is it flows out across our world. And we use the phrase to sum this up, cultural, social, and spiritual renewal. That is our mission, to work for those three things. Let's just look at them briefly, and for the sake of this talk, I'm just going to turn them around. Let's work for the spiritual renewal of the city. What does the spiritual renewal matter? Because we're spiritual people, every one of us. And therefore, we will never find full peace in life. We'll never experience the good life fully without the spiritual aspect being taken care of. You can be incredibly successful in your job. You can raise a great family, but without a relationship with God that is got right, you will never experience everything that life has for you or for us. And so the encouragement is, work for the spiritual renewal of the city. Make sure, as a matter of priority, that your and that my spiritual life is flourishing. It's pictured in the Psalms that you and I are like strong trees that are unswayed by anything, with deep roots going down into the ground and drawing life from the river that passes by. And that's why we give our, encourage everyone to give ourselves in worship. Not just to be part of worship, and stand and sing, but to intentionally in your heart 
draw close to God in those times, they can be incredibly energizing. What I got this morning will last me all week. Now, I don't have to, I can drink at any point in time, but it fortified me and it strengthened me. And I didn't know whether to laugh or cry or shout or jump. Make space for prayer and reflection. Get, make church and getting to church every week a priority. Luther, Martin Luther, who knew a few things, said that our spiritual life is like, like a fire of logs and that if one of the logs falls out onto the hearth, it very quickly loses its heat. But if it stays in the fire, it stays burning. And we're just the same with our spiritual lives. And I want to encourage you, whichever community you're part of, to make it a priority. Remain dependent on the Holy Spirit. One of the Christian groups that did so much, particularly in their early days, to contribute to the peace and prosperity of the city were the Quakers. Do you know why they were called Quakers? They believed that there should be no planning for church services. You can tell after this morning we're not quite on the same page on that. But they believed that one should sit in silence and wait for the Holy Spirit. And you know what happened year after year for them? They would wait for the Holy Spirit and he would come. I know God's everywhere, but he loves to be somewhere in particular too. And they would start to quake. They would literally shake under the power of the Spirit as we find sometimes described across the New Testament. And they learnt that if you're, going to, if you're going to serve a city, you first need to make sure that you're full yourselves. And they showed too, not only were you, were they, had they give space for the power of the Spirit. Can I encourage every service here? Make space in your life together for the power of the Spirit. And as they did that, they also made very high demands on living godly lives. And they demanded that this affected every part of life. And it's easy to say we want to seek the peace and prosperity of the city, so just push down the ethical demands a little bit. Push down the lifestyle. Make it a bit easier for people. No, they did exactly the opposite. They got full of the Spirit, said live godly lives, and then... They blessed this nation in remarkable ways. Here, this next slide, is some of the businesses that were started as a result of the Quakers. Now, m most of them have been sold on now, so I'm not, you know, not endorsing them necessarily. But there you go, you chocolate orange fans. Who knew Jesus made chocolate orange? <laughs> Cadbury's, Roundtree's. Matches, two banks even Quaker Oats. But all of those were done by businessmen, who actually, it's a long story, but the Quakers were, not, were banned from the universities. It's only at that time Anglicans that could go to Oxford or Cambridge. They turned it into a virtue. They said, well, if we can't be well-educated, we'll just be outstanding business people instead. And we'll get full of the spirit, and we'll live entirely differently, and then we'll bless our communities. I think that is something to imitate as we live. And then we pass our spiritual life onto others. Parents, raise your children to love Jesus. 
And children, of course, like just about everybody else, though they listen to our words, they follow our example. It's why parenting is so darn difficult. Raise your children to follow Jesus. Help others find faith. Become an inviter to Alpha and to church. Help others on the next step on their spiritual journey. Make disciples. Start new services in new parts of the city. I think churches like this, churches that prioritize the spiritual life, make room for the Holy Spirit, and love and serve their city, are very good for the city. And as this city grows, as it expects to grow by several million people over the next couple of decades, and the cities around the world grow, I want to encourage us to continue to give ourselves to that, to go against the stream, quietly, silently, actively, publicly, whichever way Jesus takes you, but to do so. Spiritual renewal, social renewal. What do we mean by social renewal? I want to suggest we meet people at the point of their need and we look to change the systems and structures that keep people in poverty. We provide the blanket or the meal and then we ask, why did that happen in the first place? This is something we've been exhorted to do by the prophets Example by Jesus, lived out by the church down the ages. I just thought about this city. This city celebrates your forefathers and foremothers who have done this. William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army. You'll find his statue out east. On, in 1912, when he was buried, his funeral literally stops London. Google image William Booth's funeral. It's an extraordinary sight. The Earl of Shaftesbury, commemorated by Shaftesbury Avenue and the fountain we now call Eros, but is actually the angel of Christian charity, around the plinth of which it says, lest the nation forget, which clearly they have. William Wilberforce, statue in Westminster Abbey. Florence Nightingale, more soldiers died in the Crimean War through disease than through actual warfare. The founding mother, in many ways, of our medical system today, Edith Cavell, who lost her life because she insisted not only on nursing her side, but nursing the other side's wounded soldiers in the First World War. These are people our city celebrates. Our city has commemorated with statues in different parts of the city. And this is the challenge and what the world actually expects us to do. It expects us to live this way. And it expects us to live this way personally. God has put four people in your life. Did you know that? Just look around you. In your family, in your community, or in your workplace, there will be those who are outcasts or outliers in one way or another. It may be because of age. It may be because of health. It may be because of personality. They just don't fit in. But we will all find that the poor were placed in our lives, which gives us an opportunity. You may not have time though, to do food bank, though please go and visit the stall afterwards. You may not have time to do refugee support network. Please visit the store afterwards or support the homeless or whatever it is. You may, but everyone has a charge to care for those in need in our lives. And many of us also, knowing that compassion and mercy is an important part of who we are, want to reshape our lives so we do have time to give ourselves 
to those other non-profits that we particularly support here at Christchurch London or in others. I'm grateful, I'm incredibly grateful too for those in our midst who are thinking and spending their time professionally asking how do we shape the systems and the structures of our world in a way that everybody prospers and flourishes as a result. And we celebrate those of you who are doing that side of things in order that the world may be better. But it's not like an either-or. We're actually all called to live in such a way that the world will think it's only sensible to make sure that there's peace and um, flourishing for everybody. And so we're to work for spiritual renewal, for social renewal, and for cultural renewal. What do I mean by cultural renewal? Here's how I would describe it. It's shaping the ways of thinking and the habits by which we live so that they contribute to the flourishing of our communities. Probably the best way of explaining is to tell you a story. It's a story actually that Philippa normally tells. She sometimes complains that I tell her stories, make them sound easier than they actually were, so I trust I won't do that this time. She's standing, she's in the House of Lords for a debate. The debate is on match-fixing in the sports industry. And as that debate is going on, she just gets out a piece of paper and starts to jot down this, the match-fixing in the sports world, phone hacking in the media industry, the fixing of interest rates in the banking world, the expenses scandal in the political world, the doping controversy in the sports world, the unexpected implications of social media, Maybe we could add to that the Me Too thing that started in the acting world and has spread over other industries as well and abuse in the aid sector. Now, if the church is doing their job, these things get solved. Not just by the few who maybe have a hands-on role at that level of responsibility, but actually by us all living in such a way that our leaders think that it's simply impossible to take any other value as one that matters. That there is such a mass movement of goodness that these things cannot be lived out in the places in which they get done. And this autumn we are launching some materials, or we hope we'll have them ready for this autumn, to equip our connect groups in terms of culture renewal. Joel's already done a fantastic job at mentioning the Everything Conference. We'd love to have you there for that as we seek to equip others for this important role. You may have heard me say before that one of the early Christian apologists at the start of one of the Roman Caesar's persecutions stood up and he said, do not kill us for we are your best citizens. I want to suggest that as we make space for the Spirit, as we make space in our own lives for our own spiritual growth, as we think of the poor and we think of the systems and structures and the way that culture can be shaped for the flourishing of our city, that that and nothing smaller is what God lays upon us and calls us and encourages us to do. It has been and I really mean this, every day of doing this has been a great joy. It's been an unspeakable joy watching many, many people come to faith. It's been fantastic watching people grow in faith and become strong in their faith. 
it's been truly amazing to see the literally millions of pounds that have been given. These services that we've started. Something we don't often mention here, but the two churches, one in Vancouver and one in a Middle Eastern nation, a Middle Eastern capital city that have been started from people who were originally on the staff here at Christchurch London. All the blessing that is to come. I hope that this morning will be a morning where... a um, Worship band, uh, I forgot to invite you back, so please come back quickly. <laughs> I hope this morning that your heart will be full of gratitude. Full of gratitude for everything that God has done but that your heart will also be strengthened and encouraged as we seek to take the next chapter. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come upon us. Holy Spirit, I pray that for those of us in need of spiritual renewal right now, draw close to us and strengthen our hearts. Meet with us, we pray. For those of us who we know you have called to social renewal, Holy Spirit, anoint us and enable us. Give us eyes to see and a heart to serve. We pray raise up an army of women and men across every industry who would work for the renewal of our culture. And in it all, may services be started may leaders be raised up may people find faith may we all grow in faith may the king of kings and the lord of lords get the glory and may no one be talking about individuals but everyone pointing to him and saying isn't he fantastic and isn't he amazing and isn't he beautiful and what an amazing thing that 2,000 years ago this extraordinary movement of love was started and we get to be part of it Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.